0: Everyone and welcome to the latest episode of Fish Bites, the Miami Herald's Miami Marlins podcast. Now also a weekly segment on Slam Radio's Miami Herald Sports Hour on Sirius XM. I'm Jordan McPherson, out in LA about to get make
1: my way over to Philly, joined once again by Andre Fernandez. Dre, how have you been? I'm good, man. It doesn't look like I'm as good as you. I'm, I'm um, For people that obviously, you're, you're only listening to us, you can't see us, but Jordan in this, is in this like really ritzy, Hotel room right now. He's got like he's he's out on the couch. He's chilling. You, you know that, that's what that's what you do when you go up to L.A. for a while and to just relax and whatever and and just chill in the city of angels. Ain't that right,
0: Jordan? Yeah, I mean, if I was on vacation, I'd be hanging out chilling on the couch right now. Instead, I'm in the a- <laughs> I'm in a one-bedroom with a double with a double bed that I'm actually getting out of as soon as we finish this. To
1: it is still okay. It- I, I, I inflated most of that, but it is still a nice hotel room. It is still a general. nice hotel really room. Is. I will say that yes, it, it really is, is a nice one hotel. One of the nicer <laughs> backdrops I have seen this man have during our time together doing this podcast. Um, enjoy L.A., my friend. Yes, he's not on vacation for any shortstops stops. Listening to this, he is working. The guy who works his tail off, I hope one Harold Plaza, you know, rewards him for that every two weeks, if you know what I mean, because the man is doing some solid work this year. And on that note, another team doing solid work, at least on Sunday, after the first two days didn't go too well, your Miami Marlins. Take it away, Jordan. Yeah, you teed that (laughs) up perfectly. The Marlins closed out
0: their time in L.A. with a pretty big win, 3-2 to avoid the sweep. They lost game one on Friday, 9-6. to six. They lost the second game by a score of 7-0. Trevor Bauer was absolutely incredible in that second game. The Marlins' offense was actually really good in that first game. They got five runs off Clayton Kershaw, which in almost any other circumstance, especially when you have Sandy Alcantara on the mound, that would look like you're heading to a win, except Sandy had arguably the worst start of his Miami Marlins tenure doesn't even go two innings gave up. I think it was eight runs. It just was not pretty whatsoever, but to backtrack to the good news Sunday, Pablo Lopez gets his first win. Adam Duvall makes a couple really big plays first with his bat, with the home run. And then with the big defense play in the bottom of the fifth to stop Mookie Betts from scoring with a tied the game. It was a good way to end the series and, also collectively they are now three and four on this road trip they split a four game set with the diamondbacks just Dre, your overall thoughts on what you're seeing from this team that obviously the record still isn't where they want but they're also still slowly but surely getting back to full to full strength
1: yeah and we talked about that we talked about not getting buried in any of these tougher road trips you know not you know continuing to fight, continuing to try. And the last thing you want is one of these like 10 gamers where you go one and nine and it just sinks you. And then the season pretty much at that point, you're going uphill and pretty much out of it. And they've been able to avoid that. Even LA is an example. I mean, these, the world champs showed why this weekend, those first two games. Unfortunately, yeah, like you mentioned, but uh, let's, let's, I'll start with Sandy. Every pitcher, even the great ones, are going to have a dud. Unfortunately, it came at the worst possible time facing a team that you can't afford to have a dud against ever. And even then, they, they clawed back into it a little bit. A little, you know, gamble. I know they were trying really hard to come back and win that game, burn some arms in the process, unfortunately. But, you know, in the, in the long run, this more than likely would have been a sweep. But yet, coming back yesterday and getting that, yesterday meaning Sunday, I know I know, we're off by a day usually by the time people hear this, but that victory was huge. And then Pablo, I looked at Pablo's record, and I forgot he was 0-3, and I was like, God, he still doesn't have a win. With a three ERA, the way he's pitching has been solid. So finally, good to see him get one of those. And, and, yeah, just the response again. I mean, even within that game, to take the lead late, and then hold on to it again. Yumi Garcia looking good, nailing it down, you know, in the ninth inning. But Duval, man, I mean, this is what they brought him for. Clutch power, clutch moments where he can do things like this. And so far, so good. He's delivered the majority of the time where he's been in those big spots. And then, again, that's all part of, you know, what they're – that's all part of the team that down the road, whether it's this season or next season, they're going to have to look like. Because when you look at successful – playoff or even championship teams it's clutch hitting it's good they're gonna you always have a guy in the lineup that steps up comes through does something big at the right time and that and, and Adam Duvall is that type of guy I mean I know he's not probably not a long-term piece but they've got to get more guys like him and hopefully you know some of these prospects develop into those types of players for them over the next year or two
0: and with Duvall to just dive into those numbers a little bit. It, with runners in scoring position and two outs, he has four home runs, best in Major League Baseball, 20 RBI, best in Major League Baseball. Yeah. It just he's coming up with, like you said, those clutch hits. He had two three run home runs during the series against the Dodgers alone. But just as big as he's been with his bat, mm-hmm. he's getting really, I feel like he's still overlooked in what he's doing defensively.
1: D- he go has, for it. DRS, my friend. Go say yeah. it.
0: Defensive runs saved, he has 11 already through 40 games. That's the yeah. most by, by – at least by any outfielder. I'm pretty sure it's either first or second among just MLB at large.
1: Yeah. He has I mean, a before, zero you, before you even hit record on this, I had told you, I think Brian Anderson had like nine, and we were deeper into the season last year, and he was among the top third baseman. So when, I, when we saw that, he has, that Duvall has 11, I'm like, that's got to be at the top or close, pretty darn close. So it is.
0: Yeah, and also his defensive war, he's at 0.9 already for defensive war, which is second best in Major League Baseball as well. So, again, people also tend to forget he's a two-time Gold Glove Award finalist. People yeah. seem to – that always seems to get basically thrown in the back burner when you think about the, oh, he's going to hit for power, he's going to be that middle of the order back that gives them the pop they need. But his defense has come up a lot more often than not especially when the Marlins have needed it while they're figuring out their outfield, especially with Starling Marte out. they've had Adam Duvall play center center field. I think it was eight or nine games already this year, which is yeah. something that never crossed my mind.
1: <laughs> now I actually don't remember if it was Anderson or Brinson at some point that had that high of a total of defensive run saves, but it was pretty high and ranked among the leadership. So again, 11 is just nasty. And again, I talked about the power, the clutch moments and all of that, but this is an added bonus. I mean, to have this kind of a fielder there, like you said, and, and, and they're starting to get closer to the point. Not maybe not quite yet, not a matter of days, but this outfield will get healthy once it gets Starling Marte back. And obviously he was very clutch until he got hurt. So you just add that piece in there. And again, the team that's going to have a good opportunity to to chase some more wins and maybe start to climb out of this under 500 spot where they're at right now. They are staying afloat, like we said, at least. But at some point, it, that we know that's not enough if they really want to try and replicate what they did last season. And since you brought up Marte, just the quick injury update here. Uh, Starling
0: Marte started a hitting progression. He was taking dry swings last week. The hope is that he can start taking batting practice this week. And if that goes well, you would assume he's going to go to a rehab assignment, most likely with the Triple A Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. Mm-hmm. So if things go right, we could hopefully anticipate maybe a week and a half, two weeks until he comes back, which is a positive for them, especially knowing that they are close and they are trying to get that, that bat back into the lineup. Uh, Eliezer Hernandez threw another bullpen session, another live batting practice last week, and Marlins manager Don Mattingly said everything that he's done, the reports have been good. He's been coming back fine. He hasn't had any awkward feeling or anything in his shoulder, in his bicep. And the hope is that he too will start a rehab assignment. Mattingly said that they're going to need him to do a, make at least two starts, which makes sense considering he's had about two innings of work right now. You want him to be ready to go five before he comes back out. But the biggest news is they finally got someone back. Jazz Chisholm Jr. returned on Sunday. He went two for five. He struck out his first two at-bats and had a couple hard-hit singles, scored a run, stole a base. He looked like the Jazz Chisholm that we saw, that we were seeing two and a half weeks ago before he injured that hamstring and forced him to go on the IL. And just having him back and knowing that you have him, you have Eson, you have Miggy, you have a little bit of a rotation you can (laughs) do now in the middle infield to keep the guys rested and – to find ways to make them to maximize the use of all three of them.
1: Always nice when those guys can come back. It doesn't always happen. They they can come back and hit the ground running like that. You know, Jazz does what he did. Remember, Brian got a hit for immediately the first time when he got back from injury. I mean, that's what they need. You know, they're it, again, it doesn't always happen, but they were lucky to have it. But I mean, pitching. Look, obviously, you want Elias back as soon as possible but it is good that they if they take a little bit of time with him and make sure he's built up properly because this is a lot this is a marathon and you don't want to have him re-injure himself this is a guy that is in the long-term plan for them right now you don't want to see him have any sort of setback or anything like that but the importance of getting him back i you, you can't say it enough the pitching is has been you know good enough right now in a lot in in some spots not so much in others but they are getting taxed right now when it comes to those arms because they're so short-handed so the sooner they can get a quality guy like Eliezer if he could be that same Eliezer we saw both in the you know mostly in spring training where we were really excited to see what he could do in 2021 that'd be huge for that rotation.
0: Yeah, and until then, again, they've been still mixing and matching the four and five spots. Jordan Holloway got two starts over the last week, and first start was a little rough. Second one was a little better. He still hasn't gone past the four-inning mark, which is obviously the key if he's going to be a starter, even though I still – I personally think long-term he's going to be a late-inning reliever once he finally matures and they figure out the spot for him just – We've seen him having struggles the second time through an order, but he gives them some length right now, especially to fill out one of those spots for the time being. They've played around with a couple other guys. Cody Poteet made the start in Arizona through five shutout innings. Looked really, really good. We'll see when he gets his next chance. Braxton Gary came up through three innings out of the pen on Saturday. First two innings looked really good. His curveball and fastball are still his one-two punch, but – he showed the ability to throw a slider effectively. He's working on a changeup to try to have a four-pitch mix, which yeah. if he's going to be a starter long-term, he's going to need at least a third pitch and potentially that fourth as well. And then you still have Dan Cassano and Nick Neiter who are in AAA who are there as depth pieces as well. So yeah. they still have the pieces. It's still It's just a matter of figuring out that puzzle and those younger guys finding out what it takes to – put all of that potential and actually get it to to maximize
1: use yeah and you're still playing with a lot of pieces that are really inexperienced right now when it comes to the major to, to pitching in the majors that's what people have to remember they're still all these guys are still developing you know and, and that's the tricky part is like how do you manage that part of their game with the necessity of having these arms come up you know like even a, a i'll take a braxton garrett let's say He's a starter he's a guy who they want it to be a future part of this rotation but right now there's a need for arms so they've brought him up and they have him in these little spots here yeah, that's what you, know, you have to realize but at the same time you know it is still a developmental stage for him so they have to kind of you know balance that part of it and be careful with him, but at the same time they need arms right now so Elias or as soon as he can get back you know you know carefully as safely as, as much as he can, That'll be a huge plus. I mean, I know still probably going to be a little bit more with six, though, which is a shame because they could really use him right now. But, you know, again, this team, you know, I know we're going to talk so, uh, about what they have coming up, which is kind of a little bit of a key stretch, you know, even even within the long season. But they're going to have to continue to kind of, you know, no pun intended. We keep saying it's stay afloat.
0: Yeah, and with that upcoming stretch, they close out this three-city road trip, the second of three consecutive three-city road trips, with three games at Philadelphia against the Phillies at Citizens Bank Park. A lot of cheesesteaks will be consumed while up in Philadelphia (laughs) over those three days.
1: Wally works. Don't don't get any cheese on the keyboard.
0: Oh, definitely not. Uh, And then after that, they come home for two series, one against the Mets and then another series against the Phillies. No cheesesteaks while at Lone Depot Park, although I will say Lone Devil Park has a pretty decent cheesesteak at in the concession stands. I will give props there. But, but you, you, again, you'll
1: take a, you'll take a break from the cheesesteak steak fest. I'm sure you'll find something else uh, tasty to get over there. Yeah. And know, D once
0: fest. I mean, once I'm in when I'm in Philly and going straight back after that, there's gonna be there's no comparison. It's just call, honestly called like you, it do is. you go to
1: the, do you go to the famous block of the two famous places. If you know who I'm, what, who, which ones I'm referring to,
0: I know which ones you're referring to, but I actually don't. I'm a, I'm a fan, fan of, Jim Sal, of Jim's out of gyms. That's the mm. one. It's close to, it was close to my hotel when I was up there last year before the entire start of the season went awry for the Marlins, and I think I had a two or well, four last days year I was in the pen
1: last year you're in a pandemic you're limited i'm saying now you might have a little so some stuff has opened up i know so maybe you know but still
0: it, but still it was a place when i ate the first day it's my goal when i'm in philly is to try to try to go to a different place each time and that was one of the few that i actually wanted to go back a second time for okay. me that kind of seals it there
1: but yeah. back to baseball take an uber take an uber though because boy those, those are some narrow blocks over there yes
0: they are yes so, they. anyway are. anyway back back to baseball Uh, Nine games, six with Philly, three with the Mets. Those are the top two teams in the NL East right now, the only two with a winning record. And I use winning record very loosely because heading into the week, the Mets are 18-16. and They're on a three-game losing streak after getting swept by the Rays. The Phillies are 21-20 and entering the week. They lost their final two against the Blue Jays. The Marlins in fourth place are only three games out of first place in the NL East. So if they can perform well over this nine game stretch here, things could start happening.
1: Yeah. No one's taken this division yet. That's the whole thing. No no one's even taken a lead in this division, a true lead really. But you know, looking at individual stretches, individual battles here, little by little, it's an important one because like you said, it's division competition, but at the same time, you look at I know they're gonna play the Phillies the most, but I look at that, that little, the little that, that one series against the Mets is an opportunity series considering the Grom is out, like you said. You know, that that's 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 something that you want to see them at least maybe grab two there and 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 just establish themselves as as winning some of these games in the division and, and and really that's how you stay afloat. I mean, that's how you have to beat your rivals and all of that. Because at some point somebody's going to go on a little streak, whether it's, you know, whether it's the Mets or the Braves or whoever, you know, if the Marlins can be that team to do it right now, it doesn't wouldn't seem like it just because of their roster constraints right now and how they're fighting an uphill battle with injuries and all of that. But at some point that's going to happen. So the more they can stay in it, the more they can continue to avoid losing streaks and at least, you know, keep themselves competitive in every game, the better.
0: And it's not just DeGrom who's out for the Mets. They have Brandon Nimmel out, Jeff McNeil out, Albert Almora Jr. out, J.D. Davis out.
1: That's
0: four of their eight starters, which...
1: Yeah, well, you can skip that DeGrom start, though. That helps a lot.
0: Oh, it definitely does help a lot. But remember, the Marlins' one win up in New York was off of Jacob DeGrom, just his home run. And And the last few years, I mean, 2020 aside, when it seemed like every Jacob DeGrom start happened to be against the Marlins, they've actually... They fared pretty well against him, <laughs> relatively speaking. Of course, they seem, they Jacob, they seem to
1: do wrong. well against they seem to do well against these against the stud pitchers. Like even like the other day, doing well against Kershaw. Like I saw that back in when I was on on the road with them in 2016. And like Stanton, when they had when they had that team, they were hammering Kershaw too. It's like just something every once in a while, the Marlins will have that success. It's interesting against you know a Cy Young winner type.
0: Yeah, and again, they're down four four position starters, which sounds very familiar for another NL East team one that we speak about on a weekly basis. So, we're actually kind of seeing the Mets are going to be experiencing what the Marlins were experiencing as they try to to use the word we said, try to stay afloat at the top of the yeah. division for that from their end.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, that's it's what they got to do and and I know we're, you know, it's interesting to to, to kind of judge when do you stop saying it's still early in the season? Because it is, but are we at that point yet where we start to kind of, you know, now once we get past May, I think you can start to make a few judgments on kind of where they're at in in the season and all of that, because you're getting, you're not quite at the all-star break yet or anything like that, but you have a decent chunk of of a size of a a sample size of of seeing where you guys are at and what they've done both on the mound and, and as far as hitting.
0: Yeah, I mean, 40 games in, but still, that means there's 122 left to go. So I would say, I mean, that 60-65 game mark is really, once you get, about, get to about a third of the way through the season, a little bit farther than that, that really starts painting that picture, and we're going to be more or less at that point once this, ro- this once little road stretch here, or, right. this this little stretch in the next three-city road trip with... Boston, Toronto, and Pittsburgh. Toronto, of course, being played in Buffalo because yeah. again, all of the restrictions still going on with COVID right. between the US and Canada. So mm-hmm. Buffalo actually that's actually gonna be pretty fun to go to. But but still, mm-hmm. once we get through that road trip, it's gonna be a real real time to finally start looking, looking at this team and see and basically elaborating, figuring out who they are.
1: Yeah, and Toronto and Boston, two tough teams from the AL East that they're going to have to run into. We've talked about that before. And the Pirates have have snuck up on a few people, so be careful there too.
0: Yeah. On that note, we're going to take a quick break. And on the the back half of the show, we're going to do a little Jersey talking, going to do a little minor league baseball talking, going to have a lot of fun stuff to talk about. So we will be right back.
1: You ready? Showtime. All right, we're
0: back, everyone. Uh, Monday morning, the Miami Marlins unveiled their City Connect series uniforms. That a new partnership with Nike. They're having seven teams unveil city-based jerseys. Think what the NBA does with their city editions, i.e., the Miami Heat with the Vice jerseys. All I think four iterations of them they had. Mm-hmm. It was either four or five, but mm-hmm. <laughs> but for the Marlins, they're planning. They're paying. They're paying homage to the Cuban Sugar Kings, a former minor league baseball team that really opened the door and played a big role for a lot of future Latin American baseball players making it to the majors. They were a triple A team from in the 1950s. They won the Junior World Series in 1959, and they were hoping to become the first major league baseball team based outside the United States. Obviously, a lot of things have happened, but that did not happen. Uh, The owner of the team was Bobby Maduro, who has a great stake in the city of Miami. And the jerseys that they're using, that they're wearing to recognize that team and recognize Latin America, the, the legacy of Latin American baseball and transitioning into the future and what the Miami Marlins are trying to do, it's a very very red jersey with thick white pinstripes, the hat is based. The hat is powder blue with the with a red bill, white pants. Uh, the hat actually has the the in the sig the insignia that the Cuban Sugar Kings had with MM initials in the middle for Miami Marlins. Overall, I really like the jersey and Andre. I know you can elaborate a little bit more on what they represent and what they mean
1: yeah i mean this uh this one part you know kind of hits home a little bit because as you guys so most people might people that know me know i don't know if most people know that i'm you know on my father's side i'm cuban of father's side of the family and you know the, a lot of history there with you know what happened my grandparents fleeing the castro regime and and then my dad you know was born in cuba but came here as a kid and all that. So like, long story short, like I, I see what the Marlins are doing and and I like the fact that they're saluting a piece of like Cuban baseball history that I feel like more people need to know about, like how it was like, you know, before the sixties, you know, before everything happened in Cuba. And this is a nice way of doing that saluting the, the, the sugar Kings and, you know, the history there. And I was glad like when I saw like the part that they are honoring May 20th as like the Cuban Independence Day. I mean, yeah, Cuba is, is in the way it's been now for six decades, but the true Cuban Independence Day was back, you know, from Spain back then. So that's what they're saluting. I was glad to see that they were saluting that part of it too, tying it also into the baseball roots of baseball history. And, and really like you're describing the uniform, it's really representative of the Cuban flag, you know, the red, white, and blue, you know, with the star, the whole thing. And it, it, it kind of, it reflects a time when, you know, Cuba and the U S like, there was a, there was a big baseball connection, especially in those days there still is with players that come now and play in the majors. But back then, I mean, think about that. They almost had a a franchise in Havana. If things, you know, if, if things wouldn't have gone badly over there, if Castro wouldn't have taken over and then things would have happened the way they did, you might have had a Havana MLB team. I mean, that, that's that's awesome to think about back then that, that that was something that was in the works. So I like the fact that they're kind of educating people on some of this history, not just in baseball, but everything. You know, Cookie Rojas was on that team, Cookie Rojas was Marlin's legend. You know, Bobby Maduro, like you said, has that name resonates in Miami baseball tradition. You know, he had the stadium for a long time as well, and with his name on it. You know, there's a lot of layers to it, but you know, again, personally, I, I I like the fact that they're doing something like this. I think they, you know, they since since the beginning, since this ownership uh, group took over, they've tried to really connect with the Latin American community in Miami. And I think this is a good one to, to see right now. And it's not just Cuba. I know they're going to also honor other Latin American, you know, heritages as well, but you know, the one I'm just talking just from me personally, from that part of it, I think it was good to see the, that they're saluting kind of that history of it.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. The jerseys will be making their on field debut Friday in this weekend series against the New York Mets Uh, That also is overlapping with their Cuban heritage night, which they're doing on Saturday. And the plan is to to wear these about once a month. They have a bunch of different heritage celebration nights throughout the season. And they're going to basically be interweaving these jerseys with those heritage celebrations throughout the season. And also a reminder, the MLBs only has seven teams that are participating in the city connect series this year. The Marlins, the Red Sox, the White Sox, the Cubs, the Diamondbacks, the Giants, and the Dodgers. The Marlins yeah. to be lumped in with that first group, which has a lot of a lot of the big name, the big name teams, that kind of says a little something about the direction that baseball thinks that the Marlins are going and just the effort that the Marlins are trying to put in to try to be on that innovative front, which is something we've seen over the last few years.
1: I, I think it's yeah, it's that, but I think also M L B recognizing the opportunity of the part the, the connection the Marlins being in Miami has to the Caribbean, to Latin America and that part of it too. I mean that geographically helps as well and, and, and it's good that they did because they, they, they realize that it's a perfect way. I mean I mean baseball is all about embracing, you know, the world baseball classic and making that a huge event and Miami's been a host every time and will continue to be and and has been so such an important part of that you see the crowds you see the the excitement for it 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 it's just uh it it, it by, by it, it's good to see the Marlins a part of it because of those benefits but i think it's it's also that 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 the league itself recognized that as being a good uh, a very important component of it and I'm glad they did. I'm glad they that this is, you know, at the beginning, at the forefront, of part of the first wave of this that, you know, we'll see. And hopefully it, maybe it'll expand. Maybe by next season you'll see maybe more of the league eventually, all of them doing it.
0: Yeah, the hope, according to Nike and the league, is that every team is going to have at least – is going to have a jersey by 2023, the latest. So yeah. we'll see it in chunks over the next two years. But it's a really cool jersey. It's available the Purchase now at the team store in Miami. I believe they're figuring out how to get everything online, but check it out for yourself when you get a chance. It's coming. (laughs) Uh, And now to shift gears to our weekly minor league recap, uh, I've got to start with Zach McCambly. Uh, The latest of the Marlins 2020 draft picks to put up a solid performance on the mound. He's with Class A Advanced Beloit. He threw seven perfect innings last week. 21 mm-hmm. up, 21 down, eight strikeouts. His curveball, which is his main uh, second, is which is his main breaking ball, it was really really effective from the little bit of highlights I was able to see. Unfortunately, Beloit doesn't have the MILB TV setup, so I was going off of highlights from the local TV station over there. His curveball looked fantastic. He got some help in the outfield by Connor Scott with a great diving play in the seventh, but. His stuff looked really good. His fastball is sitting between 92-94, touches 96. His breaking ball which has a little bit of a slurve type 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 mechanic to it. It sits in the low 90s and it has a lot of swing and miss potential. And again, it's just another one of those guys from that 2020 draft class. I mean, we saw Max Meyer's first start where he threw five shutout innings. We saw Jake Eater who's now thrown consecutive Five inning, five shutout inning performances. You're seeing a little bit of what that draft class, what the Marlins were hoping to see from that draft class, especially after having to wait a year to see them due to the pandemic.
1: How about those Shanta clears, huh? Not just a, not just a football powerhouse anymore. They were a baseball powerhouse before anything. And Zach McCambly, you know, I mean, yeah. Again, it's it. He's a He's a guy who, again, we, we're wondering if down the road what's he going to be. But, I mean, if he does, like you said, if he develops that third or even fourth pitch, he's starting to build his case to potentially be a starter in the majors, even though, you know, some people thought maybe he could be a high-leverage reliever down the road or or who knows. But, I mean, again, it, it, all, it always just depends on those secondary pitches. If the more they can expand their pitch arsenal like that, The better, and then you profile more as a starter. So that that I mean, again, it's 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 a it's one week, but a good strong start, and 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 good to see him developing the tools. That aspect of it, I look at even more than the results. You know, like you were describing there, I think that's the biggest part because again, another option. You know, down the road, whether he will be a piece in this rotation or a piece that they can you know, maybe barter for or something else that they, that the, the franchise needs down the road, you know, the, having all these possible arms is, is a great problem to have as an organization down the road that they finally do now to, you know, to look at their future rotations for the next few years. And since you brought up the clears, I need to give a
0: shout out to Coastal Carolina's longtime coach, Gary Gilmore. He gave me, he, gave me about 15 minutes of his time uh, late last week to talk about Zach and just gave me some great insight about what he saw from that curveball first off that made them think that he could be a be a big piece for them just his work ethic how he described him as a guy with a a position player mentality of the I'm gonna go out there every day I'm gonna give my best stuff I'm gonna just have to go out there and work every single day. And he saw a lot of the strides last in 2020 before the COVID outbreak shut everything down. He had a 1.8 ERA with 32 Ks or you know, with 32 strikeouts over 25 innings in four starts for the chance of clears before the pandemic shut everything down. And both Gilmore and Marlins amateur scouting director, DJ Spillick summed them up in the simplest way possible. He throws strikes. He was a 70% he – he threw strikes at about a 70% rate during his three years at Coastal Carolina, which if you can do that and not just throw strikes as in throwing them over the middle of the plate, throwing them where you want to hit your spot and throwing them in a way – throwing pitch in a way to get swing and misses, that's going to play regardless of the velo or anything else. The, pitch, the pitches have led to the results for him, and it's so far two starts in has made a pretty good impression.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely. I, I think when you look when you look at them overall, again, this is like we were saying this is the this is the depth that they've built, and you know, they and, and this is their mo. This is what they want. They you always hear it over and over. They want strike throwers. Well, guess what? They're showing it. They're showing it right now. I mean, that was good to see. I mean, I know we're going to talk about a few mo- other prospects that you know did and did not do well. And you know what? I'm going to say. Because again, we talked about last week how impressed we were about the first yes. week. How people have to keep in mind stuff like this is gonna happen. And I'm looking at Max Meyer yes, right now. That was
0: gonna be the next talking point. Yes, yeah. struggled,
1: struggled in a second pro start as you wrote today. Gave five earned runs on eight hits, but you know what? You don't sound the alarm. This is gonna happen. These guys are developing. It's not so much – don't look strictly at the results. you got to look at a little bit like how the pitchers are looking, how he's doing on the mound in terms of, you know, just command, sequencing of his pitching, everything like that, all the stuff that goes into the development of a prospect. And you're going to see some ups and downs from these guys. So I wouldn't – you know, again, it's not time to panic on anybody. I think just in general people have to look, just follow this process, see how these guys little by little are getting acclimated. Jesus Sanchez, on the other hand, you look at him and and he's still dominating. So he's in a, he's in a nice groove right now. What was it two home runs, a triple? He's hitting five hundred so far. I yeah. mean,
0: I mean that's okay. I mean he's getting hit every bad. other bad, not
1: too bad. <laughs> that's not too bad, right? That's like your percentage, but but yeah, and you know, you you talked about Connor Scott making the diving play, and you know, at the plate, I think is where you really see some strides, and that's good because we know well-documented how it took him a while to kind of get going. And he struggled when they were at Clinton, you know, in the past, but you know, you're starting to see the results against other competition with him too. And that's big because, you know, you want, he, he was 2018 first round pick. You want to see the value of what you hoped you got out of him and it's starting the show.
0: Yeah. With Connor Scott, he's hitting 341 this year, 14 runs scored, three doubles, a triple, a homer. Uh, 11, in 11 games played, he has at least one hit in nine of those games and multi hit games in five of those games. So the bat's starting to come around for him, and that is really good to see. A uh, couple other guys to highlight. Uh, Griffin Conine, son of Mr. Marlin. Mm-hmm. Uh, three home walk runs. Off. Over, yep, walk-off home run two, on Saturday. Three home runs over the last two days. He hit three thirty-three over his last five games. It's Good to see it again. Another outfielder, another one of those of those options down the road, considering the depth they have there. Yeah. And then just like I talked about last week, Guy Gobecks and same Nunez down in Jupiter. He has 11 mm-hmm. stolen bases in 10 games. That is the most out of anyone in minor league baseball, regardless of the level. He's the only guy with 11 stolen bases at this point. And I mean, he's we, played 10
1: games. <laughs> we, we knew he had the speed tool. That's not a surprise. I think that something like that. And we know he's got the, the slick glove, the good instincts, is short. I want to see how he keeps developing at the plate, though. Keep developing at the, as far as batting, because that's the key right there. Is it, that's what's going to get him to the next level.
0: No doubt about it. And I'm actually trying to pull up his stats right now because I only I stopped at 11 stolen bases because I knew that I was going to be the well, while, one. <laughs> while you do that, I'll just say
1: Beloit looks like it's been a lot of fun so far to, to watch some of these games. I mean, I saw that clip online of Griffin Conine with a walk-off homer. That was, that was interesting. That was fun to see the new franchise. I mean, and again, another one I know you made note of was Jake Eater, who we were all impressed at the beginning what he did. Had another good outing. Add another good yeah. outing. through five scoreless innings. He's got 19 Ks so far this year. Four walks, five hits. Solid start for 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 another guy who, who again has starter potential, or potentially down the road as a pretty good, could be a pretty good road, bullpen piece.
0: Okay, the Nassim Nunez numbers. He's only hitting 171, but he has 11 walks, which brings his on base percentage up to 383. Okay, so. So the hits aren't coming yeah. there, but again... He's getting on. He's, he's also the type of guy, if he gets on
1: base, he's almost guaranteed to steal second. And that's a good sign of approach, too, that he's being that he's drawing those walks as well, you know, for the most part. Probably on average, those some of those probably are what he's seeing at the plate, too. So that, the bat eventually will come around, but that, those are little signs. See what I mean? That's what I'm saying, like little signs where you start to see some of the development.
0: And also, Victor Mesa Jr., he's only played nine games, but... He's nine for thirty-four. It's a two sixty-five batting average, and he's leading Jupiter with nine ribbies right now.
1: Yeah, and that's Jupiter. It's always been tough, uh, tough, tough pitching league down there, uh, you know, for them. So good to see, you know, that that's again a good approach. And and you want to see that out of Junior because he's he he showed a lot this off season. You know, the scouts are a, a little bit more high on him now, I think. And and you know, again carry that over, you know, continue to, to work. And, and it looks like it's coming around a little bit. Yep.
0: And on that note, I think that's going to wrap us up mainly because I have to make it to LAX in pretty soon for a flight on that, <laughs> on that note, you're going to uh, go a long
1: flight across country. My friend. Yep, so.
0: yep. Five hour direct flight. It is a direct flight. So that at least makes it that's a good. little bit easier. But on that note, thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Fish Bites. I'm Jordan McPherson. He's Andre Fernandez. And we'll be back again next week. Thanks so much, See everyone.
1: You. See you.